This is the Speaker for the Living podcast, exploring the depths of human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. Hello, everyone. My name is Seth Dare. I'm here with JJ Janflone. What up, everybody? And this will be the uh, human trafficking legislation currently passed by the House or Senate edition of Speaker for the Living. I do want to acknowledge. We're on fire, but we're still yes, here. <laughs> yes, we are recording this after the events in Charlottesville, which we will not be talking about today. But a lot of stuff has happened, and uh, you know, relating to you know the Confederacy and race and all that. So just we'll, hold on, guys. Give us give us time to process. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about uh, things like that at a later time. Today, uh, what what we wanted to really talk about is legislation. You know, mm-hmm. Because I don't know about all of you, but you hear about legislation, you, like you even have, like you've heard about the legislation for sanctions for uh, Russia, Iran, and North Korea. We're not going to go into that specific piece of legislation. But legislation that may or may not exist for the creation of a wall somewhere. Right. That's big. But Huge, like even. But like in there, it's a long bill, the sanctions bill, and in North Korea it mentions human trafficking. And so you know there's so much going on and there's laws that have that are just introduced. And there's there's laws, there's crazy laws even that are introduced that people freak out about in the House and Senate that never go anywhere. Oh yeah. Which is one reason we're not going to talk about those at all. If, if you need a good primer on how that actually works, I suggest Schoolhouse Rocks. I'm only a bill. All right. I saw a revised version of that of late. But anyway. Yeah. The executive order one? Yeah. We'll link to both. No, Why I, not? Enjoy. No, I think it was the healthcare one. Uh, eh. Yeah. Whatever. But we're going to look at the major one, which will be the Fregulous. <laughs> the Fregulous? The Legolas Bill, where everyone gets bows and arrows. I'm just going to leave that. I mean, Frederick Douglass, he's still doing a lot of great things. Or so <laughs> somebody said sometime this year. The Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Pretension... Uh, give up. Prevention and Protection Reauthorization Act of 2017. So we'll get to that in a second. And there's a number of bills we're going to go over, some of them more deeply, some of them briefly. But Mm -hmm. you have bills, and it's politics. It's hard to keep up with the news cycle. Legislation, you go in and you you start reading them, if you've read them. Most Americans probably don't read the bills. I don't read most congressional bills. And so part of what we want to do today is provide a service to you by looking deeply at these and saying, what are these laws about? Should we care? Should we call our congressman? What is concerning language? What's not? Mm -hmm. To give you an idea of what you should support and uh, where anti-trafficking legislation is in the 115th Congress. Mm -hmm. And not even just so not what you should support. 
My God, none of us can talk today. We'll blame the weekend. The world's made us crazy, Seth. I was in Chicago. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. I know. I was going to say I did nothing this weekend but work. No, so what What we're following, um, what I think for the most part, though, is that by focusing on the language about so what these bills are reporting to do, what it looks like they'll actually do, and whether these bills actually have any teeth to them, i.e., is there funding, is there a lot of support for them, how's that going to happen? All right, guys and gals out there, gender non-binary folks, the first bill we're going to be talking about, I think, is kind of the one that's got the most media attention. It's one of the few that's not referred to just by the bill number, which is the Frederick Douglass bill. In title, like the whole thing is Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Act of 2007. And this is kind of interesting because this is a bipartisan bill. I think, Seth, you and I have both seen this before. Human trafficking is, or rather, I should say, one of those things where you could get definitely a bipartisan response. You would have Democrats and Republicans both crossing the aisle together to say, you know, we don't approve of slavery. We don't approve of human trafficking. Here's how we're going to modify it, particularly in regards to sex trafficking. They may not mention labor trafficking, particularly in agricultural areas because of a sort of lobbyist and funding uh, funding sources, but they would mention both together. However, under this administration, with sort of racial divides being at an all-time high or seeming to be at least from within the administration we haven't seen as as much of it i think people are trying to avoid any mention of of slavery or trafficking or sort of human bondage fun bill in that it is co-sponsored uh by a new jersey representative whose name is chris smith and a california democrat republican whose name is karen bass there's also a lot of other sponsors um seven in particular that are representatives and what this bill would do is it would reauthorize $130 million in funding. So this was the, the Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Act already existed. What they're doing is they're doing a reauthorization of it. So they're refunding it and sort of revamping the project. And why did they have to keep on reauthorizing it? <laughs> When you have a change in administration, funding availability changes. And so what we have happen is you have either A, a bill that already had a previous year, so say it had a limit of 10 years for funding, has lapsed. Or you have an administration that comes in and says, well, we're not offering funding anymore under the following bills that we're working, say, out of like the Department of Education. So now we have to do this revamping. And it just so happens that this is right before Frederick Douglass's bicentennial, which is in 2018. Um, and so it's just kind of a good moment to, to sort of bring it up. And it, particularly the revamping of the bill, so sort of the new things it's adding on, in particular, is education-based. So education for target populations. So these are people vulnerable to trafficking. If you're concerned about who that is, see previous podcasts. Uh, training for 
hotels and restaurants, training for airlines and uh, other transporters. So I, there was mention of you know cruise liners, things like that, to help prevent. So it's definitely more of a focus on educating people to prevent trafficking in the way that it currently exists. And prevention. Seth, do you have anything that you wanted to add there on that one? No, prevention is a good thing. Like we've had a highly prosecution-oriented approach to human trafficking in the United States, which is essential. But the preventing and then protecting victims after have not got as much focus or funding. So at least on paper, it's good to see more efforts put into prevention. And I'm I'm just excited that we're sort of having a, a rediscussion too of Frederick Douglass and everything that he did for the United States in particular in regards to bringing forth the narrative of someone who was a slave but was more and sort of gave a voice to a population that was very unheard. All right. Well, since this is a reauthorization, JJ, what is notable that has changed between uh, the previous TVPA authorization and this one? Okay. So a few main things have gone into it. One, with each increasing year, we're getting better and better definitions of what it is to be trafficked, what it is to be a trafficking victim. For example, we're seeing more mentions of the different forms of transportation. So we're not just doing sort of human smuggling, getting sort of mixed together with human trafficking. We're doing like, this is very firmly human trafficking. And this may not seem like a lot, but bear in mind that this is sort of the legal justification that trickles down into funding, resources, etc. So when it comes to the actual trafficking itself that's been added to, we're having increased conversations about United States procurement, making sure that doesn't fund human trafficking. And what that means is that when the United States is purchasing things as a government entity, that they're not buying a, a product or raw materials that is produced via human trafficking or funds increased human trafficking. Likewise, in government contracting, when we're contracting out to firms, people, places, whatever, that human trafficking is not happening there. Then finally, which I think is really interesting, there's this additional piece about the prevention of human trafficking in foreign missions and or diplomatic households. So we've seen sort of in the news, I think we've all heard these horror stories of diplomats, either U.S. or otherwise, who have actually been found to have slaves in their home. So we're finally having a really solid crackdown on it. None of that is present in the TVPA. There's mention of it under certain types of trafficking, say domestic household staff, but not explicitly said, bam, in foreign missions and diplomatic households. When it comes to the services provided, there always was a discussion about grants to exist in the recognition of trafficking. There was always conversations about how do we prevent how do we provide services for victims? How do we advocate? But now what we're getting is, as I mentioned sort of previously really quickly on the transportation end, a specific focus on 
air carriers. So how should airlines and flight attendants, as that's the increasing mode of international travel, how sh what should they be looking for? Then also looking at, two, ensuring now that traffickers are paying for the care of victims. So under this one, which is in section 124, and of course we'll link to all of you there, all of you to that particular system, but that traffickers, and this is mentioned in the TVPA, but this is now explicit that this will continue to, to happen moving forward for the next decade or until the next refurbishment of the bill. There was also a modification made to the list of child made and slavery made goods. So now what they've done is they just added in more explicit language to say that if there is any sort of child labor involved at any point in the supply chain. So like Seth, you and I have talked about, you know, and, and I believe the episode we talked about cosmetics, you know, children mining mica, which is six steps down the line, finally put into an eyeshadow. Now explicitly that's included as that is an inappropriate good to buy by a U.S. contractor because it involved child labor somewhere along the line. What I think, though, ends under, it ends with, that I think is fantastic. I mean, they do hearken to other TVPAs. They hearken to Megan's Law. They talk about a couple different child labor bills that we're going to talk about later on <laughs> in this conversation. But what I think is really cool is they, one of their final sections is Section 206, which is a briefing on countries with primarily migrant workforces. And this is that no later than 30 days after the date of the enactment of this act, the Secretary of State shall provide the Committee on Foreign Affairs and the Committee on the Judiciary of the House and the Committee on Foreign Relations and the Committee on the Judiciary of the Senate a briefing that includes with respect to each country that has a domestic workforce of which more than 80% are third country nationals, an assessment and a description of the efforts made by the U.S. That any domestic worker brought into the United States by an official of such country is not a victim of trafficking. And it's going to reference directly the trafficking in persons report, the tip report that you and I had previously podcasted so much detail about. And I just think that that's fantastic because we're, we're starting now with this in a way that we barely began to touch on under the previous TVPAs, that there are countries with huge migrant workforces that the U.S. continues to have very close ties and very close relationships with that we don't criticize or monitor in a way that I and many other advocates think that we should. And when there's a large migrant workforce from another country, that is an indicator that there probably is trafficking going on, not because they're migrants, but because mm -hmm. migrants are more easily exploited and are brought across in order to exploit. Exactly. And so I'm just so happy we're discussing it and that there's actually going to be a report that people will have to attend <laughs> to listen to, that it will pull on the tip offices. It says nowhere in here that the Trafficking in Persons Report Office will be given more funding, but I can only hope that it might, mm -hmm. you know, live the dream, mm -hmm. hire me, you know, 
do whatever you need. But it's it's just I'm really happy that we're finally starting to see an acknowledgement that what could just be counted as exploitative labor or or migrant labor can also be trafficking. Mm-hmm. And what I think we could do maybe is we can we can move on to from here to talk about some of the other bills that it touches on because this is the one thing I do like about the Frederick Douglass bill is because it's kind of stepping in in a role that the TVPA played, it's saying, hey, here are all these weird, here, here are all these other current bills that we're also trying to push through or have recently pushed through that are also assistance to this or kind of stepping stones to making sure that this bill happens the way that it should. Now, does this mean that funding could slide through to, to a multitude of things? That might be happy. That, I mean, that might be great, but I don't know necessarily if that is. And so for our next bill, we'll do H.R. 2473, the Put Trafficking Victims First Act of 2017. And there are descriptions at the very top of these under an act. And in this case, okay. it says to direct the attorney general to study issues relating to human trafficking. Though I imagine, JJ, you could uh, go a little deeper than that. Oh, yeah. Because it also says, if, if I may point out, it ends with, and for other purposes. <laughs> yes. Which, which I think is one of the things that people, if you're not used to reading laws, not only can they be kind of quite dry and written in sort of a fun, and by fun I mean <laughs> maddening way, but sometimes weird things are cobbled together. So... Let's kind of separate it, I would say, probably into the six sections that that particular bill makes itself up in. So the first section is that this act may be cited as the Put Tracking Victims First Act of 2017. And knowing what I know about government now, that was probably something that they workshopped for quite a while. I will say that it is important, though, because for the Again, for the first time in a long time, we're starting to see a switch now in the field that I think particularly looking at at laws, sort of press releases and research that was done even a decade ago, we're now moving to a study the victims first sort of mentality or provide for the victims first, treat this as an issue that is a, a victim issue as opposed to we're going to treat traffickers we're more concerned with the traffickers not the victims so we are kind of switching to a more victim positive narrative so i'll take it now section two is report on safe harbor laws so this gives them three years for the attorney general and minions associated to issue a public report on the impact of state safe harbor laws and associated services on the re-victimization of victims of trafficking, which at this moment, I would like to do a little ding. Everyone should go listen to the podcast we did on Monica Peterson's research because this is right up what Monica studied. What What do state safe harbor laws and victim services do in terms of keeping or causing victims of trafficking to be re-victimized? And then based on that data that they're 
pulling what are the best practices and recommendations we can have that will help victims, but at the same time not interfere with the prosecution of traffickers. This is exactly what Monica's stuff, you know, what are we saving women from and where are we saving them to? This is entirely up her alley. So, Right. And what is a safe harbor law? So a safe harbor law... Well, it's a little different depending on on what type of safe harbor we're talking about. But in in particular with trafficking, it's a provision or regulation that says certain behavior is not violating a rule. So when we're talking about, say, mm, how children who are exploited for commercial sex, how, how they're treated, okay, so if you are safe harbor laws basically keeps you at the age of 16 from being arrested and charged with prostitution if you are a trafficking victim because you can't consent to sex under the age of 18 in the United States. So it protects you. Likewise if you're an if you're an adult and you're picked up for prostitution but you are participating in a sexual exchange because you've been trafficked you are not liable. Or, or you're not held legally responsible for that. Why? Because you were forced into the situation. So it's providing protections for those. Normally, safe harbor is used with referring, though, in particular, to children in the commercial sex trade. Right. So it's, for, for those of you out there, it's one of the reasons that decriminalization of child prostitution and things like that may happen. And in those cases, things like statutory rape are still illegal and then federally yeah any anyone under 18 can't consent to commercial sex so federally it's illegal yeah so it's meant to protect the victim by not uh, not putting them in jail or or well wherever uh juveniles go juvenile detention Safe harbor laws are meant basically to protect victims of human trafficking or children that were sold into the commercial sex trade from being prosecuted by the criminal justice system as if they're criminals as opposed to being victims. All right. So, but really, honestly, go listen to our podcast on Monica because she did such a better, that this was like her, her niche. Niche? Niche? It was her thing. Now, Section 3 talks about training for prosecution of traffickers and then giving state support. So it kind of basically breaks it down, but trying to set it up. Human trafficking law, while well, well, it's set federally, in terms of how it is treated and how it is prosecuted, varies so wildly from state to state based in part of based in part on how much funding they have or how much training they have available for special prosecutors. So this kind of sets try, tries to set uh, an even playing field. Now, Section 4 has a word that makes Seth and I very happy, which is methodologies. So this gives them a year to actually collect data on human trafficking pulling not only on survivors, but also, but also through experts on sex and labor trafficking, to try to identify what we're do what the field is doing wrong, what the field is doing right, 
what information should be collected, how that information should be collected, and how can we standardize these processes. So there's there's very firm processes, for example, on how we track nonviolent civil resistance. There's very firm processes on how we track gang violence, on how we track drug transactions, uh, you know, weapons selling. We don't really have those firm across the board data point collection points that are set at human in human trafficking. However, I would like to point out it does end with the thing, no additional funds. <laughs> no additional funds are authorized to carry out this section. So you get really excited about this like great academic revival that's going to happen and then they're like, oh and by the way, you don't get money for this specific thing, but enjoy. It does mention, on, well, on, on a few few notes there, like uh, it mentions pilot testing and a series of pilot tests to, for, for, to see which methodologies work. And this is important because when we talk policy, like people, like politicians most notably, will come and say, like, this will work or that'll work or that's bad or this is bad. When in reality, it's not always clear what good policy is. And the only way you sometimes know is by doing testing and then evaluating those tests and then continuing to refine what you're doing. And so it's good to see something with pilot tests. And uh, with uh, the methodological barriers with collection on sex and labor trafficking, like among the difficulties, aside from there not being standardized ways across the board for all of law enforcement in the United States, is trafficking is not always convicted as trafficking. Like labor trafficking, aside from being hard to identify, can be hard to prosecute because of the weight of evidence in a criminal trial. So, the, so law enforcement, in order to get somebody off the street, will sometimes use a different law to do that. And so while we applaud these people being convicted, it makes data problematic. You could argue one reason why sex trafficking for law enforcement is far more prevalent because of how how is the data collected and analyzed. So anyway, data, methodology. Super fun. I will say we'll kind of kind of piggybacking then off of that Seth too is that for a lot of prosecutors um, state or federal prosecutors will seek mandatory restitution in trafficking cases so they're trying to recoup some of the funds or, or some of the well yeah some of the compensation that traffickers gain from exploiting their victims. And this is for a number of reasons. One, it's to it's for fines. It's to pay the state. It's to take money away from an from what is considered a, a, a criminal entity. But it's also meant to pay restitution to the victims. Nothing is going to make a victim of trafficking feel okay. 
But what it is going to do is it might help offset some of the financial difficulties that they're going to have when they come out of trafficking, as you and I have talked to, um, or talked about rather in a, in a few podcasts, just the vulnerabilities that a victim has, even when they are a survivor of trafficking, a lot of it is tied to that money funding. So just how to make that a better process it's great that that's mentioned within this bill. And then finally, in the in the sixth and final section, it's talking about adopting protections for victims of trafficking. So not only providing financial support for victims, it's in that uh, it has things like language. For example, child victims of trafficking are never to be referred to as child prostitutes or underage sex workers in law or official documents and proceedings. That's fantastic. I would love to see that that extended to other adult victims of trafficking, uh, that there should be 24-hour emergency response plans for victims of human trafficking. That's fantastic because you and I, Seth, I think have both seen sort of at a local level even though law enforcement wants to do the right thing, there's not really a plan or a particular person to call when you come across human trafficking. So sometimes it's a bit of a scramble from service providers trying to give options. And a final piece that for victims of trafficking to do an evidence-based, comprehensive, trauma-informed, long-term, culturally competent care and healing service. That's great because right now we don't really have a lot of after-effect services for victims. So all in all, this bill I find, while it doesn't have necessarily the same financial teeth as the Frederick Douglass bill, I, I find this one to be quite quite good. The name, I admit, makes it sound a little bit hokey, victims first, but when you actually look at what they're pushing, they really are pushing for a victim-centric treatment. And so uh, H.R. 2473 has also passed the House. Mm-hmm. So moving right along to H.R. 1625, targeted rewards for the global eradication <laughs> of human trafficking, also has passed the House. Which is, which is good. I'm happy that these things are passing. I was really worried for a while that it wasn't going to happen, but now it is. And so... So I'll read a few sections, and uh, JJ compared the previous law that this is referring to. So this one, which can be cited as the Target Act is to amend the State Department Basic Authorities Act of 1956 to include severe forms of trafficking in persons within the definition of transnational organized crime for purposes of the rewards program of the Department of State and for other purposes. So a few things. So transnational organized crime, drug cartels are one example of that. And... We noticed in looking at a number of laws that mention human trafficking is human trafficking is being added as a subsection to more than one existing law. Yeah. Which on the surface seems like a good thing, especially if it leads to more resources and more authority being put to end it. But uh, before looking at the uh, 1956 Act, there's also a line 
from this bill that uh, really struck me as important, which was combating trafficking in persons requires a global approach to identifying and apprehending the world's worst human trafficking rings. Like there are people who question, you know, especially people who are more nationalist oriented who, and, and, and to, to say this in a positive way, like the U.S. has debt, the U.S. has issues, we can't save the entire world. So, you know, why should we deal with human trafficking? Like, why should we cooperate with other nations? Why should we not just care about our own and not just care about our own border? Well, human trafficking has its own supply chain. Human trafficking is affected by economics and when, and war so that when Syria falls apart, then there are people who are vulnerable and go, flee to other countries and may, may be trafficked. When economies collapse or when trade policy hurts other countries, then there might be migration. And there's just too many factors here and frankly, our corporations, U.S.-based corporations, are both part of the problem and solution. Like they're they're involved in the supply chain. They create the supply chains. Mm-hmm. And so, while it's not always simple for even a well-meaning corporation, it's they need to be involved in this process. And so, a recognition that in this case, to deal with the human trafficking rings, that we need a global approach that is beyond just the U.S. border, it's an important recognition. So that's my comments on this act, but take it away, JJ. Yeah, well, to, to kind of maybe work backwards a little bit. So as you mentioned, so this is sort of an amendment. Mm-hmm to the State Department Basic Authorities Act of 1956. So we're going way back in time. Mm -hmm. And it's a 77-page document. Wouldn't necessarily recommend trolling through it, except for all it talks about when it talks about trafficking is primarily people who are traffickers of narcotics and or weapons. Remember that we get a lot of our language and a lot of our, our base laws on human trafficking from drug and weapons trafficking relations. But on page six, speaking about HIV AIDS policy and programs, so this is an amendment to the 1956 one and then every amendment that has followed. So it's still going to be listed as 1956. Please don't text me and be like, AIDS didn't exist in 1956. It's a conspiracy. Don't do that. So anyway, we finally see in section 36 of this, a mention of trafficking in persons as prostitution. So it says that it's it's linking HIV-AIDS programs with programs to eradicate trafficking in persons and support alternatives to prostitution. And that's actually the only trafficking mention of people that occurs in this particular bill. So when we're having this amendment, we're having sort of a, a brand new language being brought in that we're going to treat not prostitution as human trafficking, but we're going to be treating sex trafficking and we're taking labor trafficking as well. 
so it's while it's still doing what it had done previously, which is it's offering financial reward in order to try to end transnational organized crime. Now it's focusing on people as a separate entity as opposed to just um, just narcotics, just weapons, just as another form of, of human trafficking protection. And if, again, if we can get more money and resources directed toward modern slavery, that's usually a good thing and we're we're for it. No, and I'm and I'm I'm perfectly happy with it. I just think it's so interesting to see this that of any of the of, of all of the bills, I think that's really the one to focus on in terms of you seeing that there's been such sort of a change in how human trafficking is, is constituted legally and how lawmakers and policymakers are thinking about it. Yeah, and that's uh, really important, and it seems like it just takes forever for that mountain to move. I don't know, 1956 to 2017? Actually, in policy years, that's pretty fast. Yeah, but even with the early TVPA, while it mentioned all forms of trafficking, there was still the focus more on sex trafficking at that time, so... With policy, it's been increasingly moving in the direction of recognizing that, yes, labor trafficking is a problem. We need to have, we we need to prioritize it the same way as we do sex trafficking and realize that it is all slavery. Yes. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about, H.R. 1370, Department of Homeland Security Blue Campaign Authorization Act of 2017 which has passed the House. The Blue Campaign is the is a Homeland Security's effort uh, that's really focused on training and awareness. And so this is amending the 2002 Homeland Security Act and, again, focusing more on training programs, and specifically, it mentions like programs for personnel uh, on all levels, federal, state, local, to help identify instances of human trafficking and potential connections to terrorist activities, including along the borders of the United States. It also mentions techniques to identify suspected victims of trafficking along the borders of the U.S. and identifying suspected victims of trafficking at, at airport security can never do enough, it seems, to identify victims and prioritize identifying victims. So it's uh, good to see that language. We can hope that it it, uh, becomes more than that. Uh, but, But this also authorizes funding. So for each year, uh, 2018, 2022, uh, 819,000. Uh, also, like to give some credit to the Blue Campaign for their posters and language, which uh, shows like male victims of labor trafficking. It's incredible how often we don't get balanced promotion 
I should say, awareness campaigns of human trafficking that portray both males and labor trafficking as a big part of the problem, that this is trafficking. And so the fact that Homeland Security does that is uh, really impressive. Well, and again, we're seeing that shift that like now we're, we're finally talking about it in a systematized, sort of quantified way. So the next one is uh, Senate Resol- Resolution 68, a resolution raising awareness of modern slavery. Boy, does God. that sound vanilla. I was going to say, I love these names. They're ter- Can we just name, can, can we try to get a law passed, Seth, that's like the, we do cool things and hate slavers? Suck it. Or would that not get funded? So resolution is largely words. <laughs> just, just There's no funding my... here. There's no funding nope. here. Nope. It's, it's passed by either a House or Senate only, so this doesn't have any further to go, but it also doesn't have resources behind it as far as my understanding goes. And this was uh, sponsored by Senator Bob Corker, who is a ally in the fight against modern slavery, including internationally. He heads the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Um, I met a couple of his staffers. They were awesome. So the resolution, it gives a bunch of justifications that say how bad modern slavery is. Yes, we agree. And then it resolved that the Senate, one, commends each individual who supports the End It movement on February 23rd, 2017. Two, notes the dedication of individuals, organizations, and governments to end modern slavery. And three, calls for concerted international action to bring an end to modern slavery around the world. So it's just words, but it's important to see this in light of the End It movement and that uh, Corker and his committee, they passed the End Modern Slavery Act, which provides matching funding to to organizations internationally that are fighting modern slavery and that they're developing a methodology and so on. I do have to mention that the initial White House budget recommendations cut the funding for that program which uh, is something I'm still upset about, even though it was only recommendations. But in this case, the resolution is saying, hey, we still need to fight it, and uh, it's still a worthwhile statement of we're going to do this. Also, now we'll move on to the Department of Labor, which also had some of its funding cut in that budget recommendation, which I'm also upset about. Goodbye, DOL. But it was only a recommendation, and it's not likely happening, so it's not so bad. Yeah. So HR 2664, Enhancing Detection of Human Trafficking Act, it passed the House. So what does that act do, JJ? (laughs) The Enhancing Detection? Well, it enhances the detection, clearly. No, so what what it's looking for, now that it's passed the House, is training department um, staff, 
so government staff, particularly Department of Labor staff, within 180 days to how to determine if individuals are being trafficked. So this includes identifying suspected victims of human trafficking, perpetrators of human trafficking, and and this is locale and sector focused. So like let's say that you're you're an agricultural officer. You know, types of trafficking that are common in agriculture and then if you're focused on say the southwestern United States, types that are regional and local to you. I think this is the first one that we've talked about in terms of things that have passed that actually do sort of a regional focus, which I think is quite interesting. Things that are trending or happening in their particular environment. So again, so say that you have somebody who their sort of region or their area contains Colorado. So they're a DOL employee getting training on, you know, say sheep herders, but also maybe if, if we're seeing a lot of maybe marijuana shops that are using trafficking, I don't know if that's true or not, but just things that might've popped up recently, you know, having specialized training in that. And then within a year of that training, evaluating it to see where did cases go up? Did, were more victims of trafficking identified or rescued? Were more perpetrators of trafficking arrested? Were there more prosecutions because of this training that is provided to them? So it's, it's great in terms of if it does what it says it's going to do, which is provide this training. However, as Seth and I know, training is expensive. Training is difficult. And this is a very vague, vaguely written bill um, in terms of it listing specifically how that training is going to do, who's going to provide that training, what methodology is going to be present there. Yeah, and also to talk about what the DOL does, like in terms of what we were mentioning with child labor earlier, the Department of Labor does research internationally about the uh, worst forms of child labor and about forced labor and uh, specific ways that and, and countries that ch uh, like what what what's dangerous for children to do and what countries children work in and they produce a, an annual report. But also, especially within the United States, and and this is where there's the challenge as there always is between regulations that make doing business hard and labor protections. And there's a lot of complaints that go to the Department of Labor. And the Department of Labor is very understaffed to take care of all those complaints, whether it's wage theft or any other things. So I am totally for anything that potentially makes the Department of Labor more effective for labor issues, especially as they relate to trafficking. So I know we've run a lot of laws by you, but uh, last but not least, JJ? What up? Okay, so on the final end, there's. I would like to just point out, there's a lot of bills that actually, while not mentioning human trafficking, specifically or not mentioning sort of human trafficking at all or labor trafficking 
introduce law or policy that in turn does impact human trafficking. And I think a good example of that for, for passing this year, it's, it's passed the House, hasn't passed the Senate, is H.R. 1973, Protecting Young Victims from Sexual Abuse Act of 2017. Now, what this bill does is it extends mandatory reporting requirements of child abuse to national governing bodies. So it actually calls out, and specifically, uh, USA Gymnastics, so that reports are made to local or federal law enforcement agencies. So if you have, say, a victim who's on an Olympic team, okay, or, or training under a government body like the Olympic team, but could also be something like the U.S. military, maybe through an ROTC program before they reach age of majority, that the governing bodies of those institutions as an extension of the U.S. government have to report child abuse to local or federal law enforcement authorities. They can't handle that problem from within. And that once a victim has established that harm occurred, that there is a, a baseline of monetary damages that can be paid out to that victim. And so this offers a lot of modifications to sort of existing child um, abuse law. It, it does at some point say sexual abuse, sometimes just child abuse. So I'm presuming that it's, it's focusing on uh, uh, sexual abuse, but, but touches on other forms of child abuse that can, that can be happening within these sort of larger institutions. But what I think is important to remember about this is that because it's touching on young athletes, so people whose labor is being used, if these children are being exploited and are being harmed and have no choice of movement or freedom, then they are being trafficked. And so their protection, having it be more explicitly listed under this, is very popular and very helpful. And so this is something that I think we're going to see probably pop up when we're talking about child labor or exploitative, you know, child abuse, say, in a factory setting. This could apply to that, you know, is making a young gymnast if they don't want to train for 22 hours a day. Is that labor trafficking? It might be. It depends. So we can sort of have, have that conversation. I There's a fantastic blog that I will link to you that was written on the human trafficking website, um, the University of Denver on uh, college basketball, actually. And, and is college basketball exploitive? And if it is... Is it, um, is it, is it uh, a form of trafficking? And it's written by Kevin McCaffrey, who is, is a friend and I think does a really good job talking about this. But sort of a breakdown of, are, are we providing for people in the way that we should? And I think that that's mentioned quite well in this bill. Anything you wanted to add in there, Seth? 
I'd say uh, we'll provide the link to where these are on the congressional website so that you can keep track of them. And by all means, call your congressman. And also, this is a reminder that like, with politics, despite where you're at on the spectrum, like, like it's so easy to get focused on you know, what Obama did or didn't do, what Trump is saying or not saying, what the major legislation that's talked about. Like, it's, it's easy to get distracted about, by all that and maybe even think that it, nothing's happening. Our government, whatever its faults, things still happen. You know, the bureaucracy goes on that... Yeah, like in this case, there's a bunch of trafficking laws that just passed the, the House. Some of them will likely get signed into law since it's such a bipartisan uh, concern. Mm-hmm. Well, but, and nobody, but, nobody wants to come out as saying that they're against slavery or for slavery. No one wants to be like present in that. But I think people just don't want to touch the term slavery right now. Right. Either. It's a very contentious time but to maybe say it more succinctly there are still good things going on in our government regardless of where you're at like there are things that are happening there's legislation that's still being worked on there's departments within the executive branch and there's committees in congress both in the house and the senate that are that are talking to people internationally you know, I, I talked to somebody who was facilitating bringing an American back when I talked to him. Like, there's there's a lot going on. And something like this, you know, please, if you believe it, uh, send your congressman an email. Thank them for working on it. You know, it's, it's important for the effort. Yes, that's my main point. So in conclusion... You know, try to focus on what is happening and support the good things that are happening. And there are some good things happening. Any final thoughts, JJ? No, that's about it. Just that there are still good people out there fighting human trafficking. Our definitions continue to change and modify and improve, and I'm really happy about it. Also, it's getting better. Also, we realize that an episode just on legislation is not the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah. So if you've made it through this, thank you for listening. I hope it was helpful. If there's any other bills you'd like to know about, let us know. And hey, life can only get better. It can't possibly get worse. But we have a a few ones we're we're likely going to do either next in the next few weeks that are going to be a little more exciting and a little lighter than this one. I want to talk about Orphan Black because oddly enough, the creation of clones for the service of an evil corporation is somehow happier than the reality that is our lives right now. I need a cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, until next time. Bye. Bye. Be free. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website 
at speakerfortheliving.com.